<laughs> oh my goodness. How many of you have ever lost a bag? Raise your hands. All right. How many of you have ever sat at the window and watched them do that? Has anybody else done this? Now, most are not like that, but it is really fun. Now, if I mention the name Boaz, Alabama, does anybody know what that significance is to baggage? Anybody? Yes. When What happens is, is if an if a airline loses your bag and then they find it and they've already compensated you, they send your bag to Boaz, Alabama. And it's an unclaimed baggage freight. And you, they literally, they go through all the bags and you can buy other people's stuff. And uh, I don't know why you'd want to, but they've got a lot of amazing stuff in there. But baggage. Now, for those of you who are, are regulars here, my name is Ken, actually. I'm, I get to fill in here every now and then. And I have done that for over a decade and a half. And it's a blast. And I'm actually coming in on Sunday nights to work with, the, not work with, but to spend some time with the men's group. And it has been a fantastic time. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But when Chad told me about this idea of baggage and what's, what's really kind of weighing us down, and I love, I love the, the different bags here. And there's been a progression of bags. How many of y'all remember when suitcases did not have wheels? Did you remember that? And apparently the big, the big deal was durability. How durable it was. Do you remember the commercial? I, I really do want to have you raise your hands on this. How many of you remember the commercial with the gorilla throwing the bag around? Do you remember that? Okay, if you remember that, you're, you're old. Okay, that's, that's what that means. And uh, I am as well, but I remember this durability. And then it was practicality. The, I'll never forget the first time I was at the airport and I saw somebody pulling a suitcase. And they had it was still the thin one, but it, it, they were just dragging it. And I thought... Why are they dragging? Then I noticed, oh, there's wheels. There's wheels on the back of that. And if you had one of those, it was really cool for about a year. And then they figured out it wasn't very stable and it would fall over. And, and then they thought, you know what? Why don't we put the wheels on the big side and drag that? And it was this evolution. Now it's like you've got four wheels and you can drag it any different way and, and just roll it. And, and now the progression is, is to have a charger in your bag, a charger. And then they figured out that wasn't legal, so now you can't have a charger in there, but it's, it's this evolution of bags. And, and, and I share that with you to just say that, that life is that same kind of progression in the sense that we can get heavier and heavier and heavier. Now, I want to ask this question kind of rhetorically, but how many of us either right now or at a regular part of life, as we progress, and even though technology gets more, it seems like the feeling of being overwhelmed is more perpetual. How many of us have felt like, you know what, even though I'm at a better place, maybe financially, socially, relationally, I not only feel overwhelmed, but I find myself getting frustrated more and more because I, I don't have that, that control. And, and I've got spread in so many different directions that I find myself more frustrated. And then probably one of the greatest, especially, that starts to set in in that progression, although life can get better and all the pieces we thought were going to make us happy and bring us fulfilled, I find myself disappointed that this is it, this this is what I was living for, and I, and I hear that over and over. If any of those is true of you, I have good news. The, the real culprit to this is, is a piece of luggage or baggage 
that we're going to look at how to literally get rid of. And that baggage, and I love that they have the different words on here, anxious and bitter and jealous and that. And I find it a bit ironic that, that today's that piece of luggage is neglect. And if you look up on stage, they neglected to put the baggage of neglect. I just think that's funny. Um, <laughs> that neglect, well, what am I neglecting? Because I am overwhelmed. I am discouraged. I am disappointed. I am frustrated. And, and I, I don't want to be. And if you feel like, okay, wait a minute, I, I can relate to that, then this morning I want us to look at the, the two areas, and it's really in the book of James is where we're going to take a look if you have a Bible. They're not going to be on the screen, so if you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you greatly today, write down a couple of these verses, and I'll give you the ABCs at the end on how to get rid of this, this baggage of neglect. Because it's really quite simple, and in the book of James, in the first chapter, it really addresses this in the second verse. It says, consider it pure joy. Now, how many of us want to live a life with pure joy? Yes, that's me. I'm there. But then it says this, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, how many of us have ever put together joy and trials? Wait a minute, that doesn't really make sense, but it goes on. It says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that I may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The first neglect that causes this baggage to get heavy is the neglect of a relationship with God himself. Joy and and trials make no sense going together unless or until we realize that this whole life was designed not to do alone. God did not design it to do alone. And there's a misconception within faith that if 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 I grasp faith, if I have faith, then no problems will ever happen. That it's going to be removed and I'll never have to deal with problems. And that is not in the Bible at all. It may be in some other religions, but it's not in the true God religion of of Him being a part of us, God coming down. Perseverance and joy only make sense when God is in the middle of it. And if I've neglected that completely or neglected that ongoing, then I'm going to have this baggage of neglect get heavier and heavier and heavier. Because Jesus promised, He says, in this world, let me give you a hint, you will have trouble. He says, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And it's when he's in the middle of it that it not only makes sense, but that baggage releases and there's purpose and there's fulfillment in the middle of it. If I'm experiencing overwhelmed instead of joy, it's, it's probably because I'm neglecting that relationship. Maybe ultimately, and I love this, and you can write this one down if, if you're one of those who's just kind of seeking, going, okay, this... I'm not sure I understand this completely. In the book of 1 John, it's the one and then John, not the gospel of John, but 1 John 5, chapter 5, verses 11 through 13, I think it is. It says, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and life abundant. And that life is in his son, Jesus. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And I love what he, what he just 
puts an exclamation point on it. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. And not only eternal life, but Jesus himself says in John 10.10, the Gospel of John, he says, I came that you would have life and life to the full. He says, that's why I came. It says in the book of Hebrews, I'm not sure the chapter and verse, he says, but it's impossible to please and connect with God unless we believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And if we've neglected that, then good luck, overwhelmed and disappointed and frustrated is going to be the norm. But if I grasp and I say, okay, Lord, I want you in the middle of my reality. I want you in the middle of it. I want you to write down, I'm going to read it for you, but write down this psalm. I came across it a couple weeks ago. It's become one of my favorites, Psalm 118. If you're in that frustrated, disappointed, overwhelmed state, this may be a couple verses to memorize. Psalm 118, verses 5 through 7. In my anguish, I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. When we call on him, he's like, yes, I'm right here. And it says, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph over my enemies. It's that God with me. Emmanuel, as we sing at Christmas. And when we invite him into those frustrating, chaotic, overwhelming, disappointing areas, he brings freedom. He brings resolve. He brings peace. He brings power. He brings everything we need for that moment. I'll give you one of my examples, and it it is a baggage example. Now, you have to think uh, geographically for a minute. I was in Corpus Christi, Texas, okay? Had a show. The next night, and I'm, I'm at the airport at 5 in the morning because I got to catch an early flight to get to Phoenix, Arizona. Get that in your mind. Phoenix, Arizona, we've got a, over a thousand people, sold out show. I'm really excited to get there. And I get to the airport and I go to check in. Now, I, I've got to give you one other detail. That Christmas, I had had, I'd asked for, and actually, I don't know if you do this, but at some point when you're married, you're like, hey, I need this or I really want this. Well, I don't, where do I get that? And I finally just, I had it made. And then I wrapped it up and put somebody else's name to dad from, and I got what I wanted, which is this perfect piece of luggage. I actually made this piece of luggage. I had it made for me. It was the perfect dimensions to where I could carry some DVDs in the bottom and some promotional materials, then my clothes, then a compartment for dirty clothes. It was amazing. It was military grade material, and yet it would roll, and it was the perfect bag. And this was my first trip to get to use the perfect bag. And I'm like, I love my bag. I just, oh, it's the perfect height. It rolls. It's amazing. And I'm in Corpus Christi, Texas. And I roll my perfect bag up. I'm like, hey, um, I'm here to check in. And the guy goes checking me. He goes, ooh, wow, sorry. Um, your flight's been canceled. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he says, but um, good news. We've rebooked you. Looks like we'll have you there tonight by 930. And I said, well, that, that's not really going to work for me because I got a show at 8 o'clock and, uh, and, and I got to be there. There's like tickets and people bought them. And he's like, ooh, that's the best we can do. Now, normally, 
I would have flipped a switch and I would have been the idiot traveler that I've seen and since not, I've, I've, I've released myself of that. The guys who walk up the counter and go, do you know who I am? You know, I, I just want to go, dude, if you got to ask, they don't, you know, it just, it, they really don't. And it's not their fault. And, and so I, I literally, in that moment, a rare occurrence, I said, God, give me wisdom. And, and he says, that's the best we can do. And, and I was not mad. I was just like, that's the best you can do? And he says, that's the best we can do. And I said, so, so what you're telling me is from right now, 5, 10 in the morning, and tonight at 9.30, there's only one airplane leaving from this region of the country flying to, to, to Phoenix. And he goes, well, of course not. I said, okay, let's start there and work backwards. And I said, why was my flight canceled? And here's the funny part geographically. He says, well, there's a snowstorm in Atlanta. <laughs> I said, but, okay, regionally, is, let, let's work backwards from here. Can you, can you just look again, please? I'd really appreciate it. I, and he's, he's like, well, okay, well, uh, you know, you're probably not going to want to do this. But I can fly you from Corpus to Houston, Houston to Salt Lake, Salt Lake to Phoenix, you got to have two layovers, but I can get you there by 4.30. And I'm like, do that. <laughs> yes. And I said, do I, do I need to take my bag? He says, no, I'll check it, but you got to run. It's leaving in about 20 minutes. I'm like, I'm running. And he says, I'll get your bag. I'll get it expedited. So I'm running. I get on the flight. I land in Houston. We fly to Salt Lake. And I've got like a two-hour layover in Salt Lake. I'm like, I even get to eat. I get to be on there in time. I got perspective. I'm like, Lord, thank you. Thank you that this is working out. And then as I'm sitting down to eat in the, in the airport speaker system, it's like, Ken Kington, Ken Kington, to gate E18, E18 immediately. And I'm like, did I get the time change wrong? What is that? So I run. I run to E18. I'm like, hey, um, I'm, so, I'm sorry I'm late. I, I thought there was a layover. And they're like, well, there is. I'm like, well, I'm flying to Phoenix. They're like, it's not for another hour and a half. And I'm like, I, well, you called my name. They said, oh, oh, are you Ken? Yes, uh, you need to talk to those guys over there. And I looked, expecting to see like policemen or something, but it wasn't. There were these two ramp workers. They got the knee pads and the earphones, and and they walked. And I said, "Hey guys, uh, I'm Ken." And they went, "Oh, hey man, um, do you want to tell him, or do you want me to tell him?" <laughs> I said, "I tell me what." And I said, "Is the flight on time?" Like, "Oh yeah, the flight's fine." I'm like, "Okay." And I said, "Well." Uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but your bag, it didn't make it. And I said, you know what? I, I travel, I mean, I travel all year. I mean, I probably do 100 flights a year. That's not uncommon. Did it not make it from Corpus to Houston or Houston to here? And they said, no, it got here, but it didn't make it. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm not following you. I, I mean, I was in special class, and I don't understand the details. Okay, so what do you mean by it didn't make it? I said, well, um, there, it, was, it, it got here, but it somehow got in the belt, and it, it ripped, and, and you're, we think we saved most of what was inside. I'm like, most of what was inside? I said, uh, okay. I said, the flight's on time? They're like, yeah. They said, we just want to let you know we've put it in a temporary container 
and you can make a claim when you get to Phoenix. And I said, well, can I see it? And they're like, no. And I said, I can't see it. And they said, the biggest piece is about this big. And, and again, I, I literally, I was, I was inviting God into that world going, Lord, that's my new bag. I didn't even get to use it once. That's kind of funny. I said, but Lord, I literally, I'm like, Lord, thank you. I get to be there on time. And I, I can go by Walmart. I can do, get whatever I need. And, and just thank you. And I just had this, when, when God is in our reality, he gives perspective and change and whatever. And I'm like, okay. So I get to Phoenix. Now, if you've ever been to Phoenix, it's not like most airports that the luggage comes up and out and up and out. In this particular terminal, it comes down on this belt through the ceiling, down onto the conveyor belt. And I'm waiting there. And it dawns on me. I'm waiting with everybody to get a luggage. It dawns on me. I have no idea what I'm looking for. And I had that thought, and then almost instantly I looked up, and it became painfully obvious what I was looking for. I want you to picture the largest garbage bag you've ever seen. And the reason I know it's mine is because it's clear. Here's my underwear and my shoes, and, and I'm looking like you cannot be serious and I'm not making this up two ladies standing next to me waiting for their luggage like oh good lord who would do that and I was like (laughs) and I'm standing there going okay I'm not I'm not picking it up I'm waiting till everybody leaves and and it, it became hilarious because people were so stunned by this bag they're getting their luggage and just standing there watching it to see who's picking this up. And finally, I had to go. I pick it up, and I am throw it over my shoulder like a hobo Santa Claus. And, and the ladies are like, oh, good Lord, that's ridiculous. And I'm just like, whatever. And, and I go into the baggage claim office, and there's a high counter. I put it down. The lady comes from the back. She goes, hi, can I help you? And I said, well, apparently my baggage got destroyed, and... Um, I, they told me to just make a claim here. And she went, destroyed. And I was like, that's what they told me. And she says, well, let me see it. I'll be the judge. And I just put the bag on the counter. And she said, where's your luggage? And I'm like, that's the big question right now. I said, apparently it was shredded. She's like, oh, my word. And it was just one of those where as I got through that, I, I, could, I could go back and think I should have been totally angered and I should have been disappointed and frustrated and overwhelmed and all that. Instead, I literally walked away going, Lord, this is going to be a great story. Thank you for that. And I get to be at the show on time. And and it was hilarious because as I pulled out the clothes, I actually took it that night. I took the bag. I said, you don't believe me. Here's the bag. I had, apparently it had, had shredded it on the tarmac. And they had to go around and pick it up off the top. I had airplane tire marks across my shirts. I mean, you can't buy that. I mean, that's, that's a statement there. But I share all of that to just share that in the midst of trials, in the midst of trials, count it all joy, brethren, when you encounter trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And not only produces perseverance, but God is like, I am in the middle of it with you. 
He says in Isaiah 41.10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, if we're carrying the weight of neglect, the weight of neglecting this relationship, and we're carrying overwhelmed, disappointed, frustrated, it's an indicator that we're neglecting letting God in the middle of what we're going through. Whether that's not having him in our life, but even more probably, regrettably, that we're not actively developing that relationship and taking the time. To where I I would say, you know what, I'm tired. I've tried all I know to do. That's the indicator that I'm depending and I'm neglecting that relationship. There's another one, not only the relationship, but I would say in transition. I I shared this with the men in the men's group last week. And it's it's a wonderful example of of how God wants to be a part. I I have a friend, and, and let me just share this quick aside. Uh, gentlemen, if, if you, one of the neglects in our life is just developing meaningful friendships and, and tonight is the perfect night. We've done two weeks on just what can sidetrack us, the idols, but tonight, if you just make one night out of the six weeks, tonight would be the night for two reasons. One, we're talking about the battle plan, how to overcome those distractions and that which pulls us away. And it is amazing, and it's a great hour. And tonight also, we're going to have an extended time afterwards. We're going to watch a little bit of the second half or whatever game's on tonight and eat pizza and, and just have a great time. So if you, if you want to make one just to check it out, tonight's the night to make that. But last week I shared about my friend, Ralph. Ralph, professional golfer, making his way up the ranks. He won the U.S. Public Links. He got to play at the Masters. And he's playing on the mini-tour and he's doing very well, winning tournaments, and, and it looked like he's going to get his PGA card. And one weekend, this particular tournament, the, the word on the street was that Jack Nicholas's son, Jack Nicholas, for you know, those of you not in golf, the greatest golfer of all time, arguably won more majors than any other player. His son was playing on the mini tour. And the rumor was that if the son made the cut, that Jack was going to come caddy for his son. And it was like, wow. And Ralph was in first place at the tournament. Jack's son was in second. They were in the same group. Saturday, he walks up to the tee box. And there's Jack Nicholas standing by his son's bag. And Ralph said, I, I, I don't even know what I did the first four holes. Because all I could think is, Jack Nicholas is walking right next to me. He's walking right next to me. And he said it was unbelievable. And he said, I can't. And now my friend Ralph is a total practical joker. He says, I cannot believe I did this. He says, I'm standing there looking at a putt, holding my ball, the markers on the ground, and I thought my caddy had come by, picked up the ball to clean it, which is normal. He says, until I glanced out of the side, and it was Jack Nicholas. And Jack had picked up his ball and was cleaning his golf ball. He's like, Jack Nicholas is cleaning my golf ball. And he said, I couldn't even pay attention. He says, then I, I, again, I can't believe I did this. He said, he walked by, handed me my ball to, to make my putt. And he got about two steps away. He goes, hey, Jack. And he goes, yeah. He says, you missed a spot. And he <laughs> flew it back. And he said with no emotion, he goes, oh, I'm sorry. And he starts cleaning the ball again. I'm like, he said, I finished my round. I did really well. He says, now, Ken, this is the mini tour. There's not a lot of press. There's not a lot of fans. I'm going to my car. 
And I hear my name, Ralph, hey, Ralph. And he's like, I don't know anybody in this part of the country. And he says, I turn around, and there's Jack Nicholas jogging across the parking lot. Hey, Ralph, Ralph, have you got a minute, Ralph? And, and he, he says, what am I going to say? No, I really got to get to Burger King. There's a Whopper with my name on it. And, and he says, Ralph, he says, uh, have you got a minute? And he goes, yeah. He says, you know, you, you're an incredible golfer. He says, but I was watching you today, and I've got a couple tips that I think might help your game. Can I share them with you? And he said, yeah. He says, I, you got all, I got all the time you need. And he says, Kenny, share that with me. I get in my car and I start going. All I could think of was, how can I practice? How can I get better? And he says, then God just flicked me in the head and made me realize. Every day, he's like, hey, hey, Ken. Hey, Ralph. Hey, Ralph. I, I, I see what's going on in your life right now. And I've, I've been there. And I've got a few amazing truths. And I want to walk with you through this. Have you got a minute? And, you know, no, Lord, I, I really like that extra 10 minutes of sleep, and I got a really full schedule. Not today. And see, that's, that's that step to neglect. That the God of the universe who gave us life, wants us to have life abundant, everything is for our good. And we say, wait a minute, I, I need that time. I want to I stop neglecting that relationship. And secondly, I want to stop neglecting the truth. Not only the relationship, but the truth he gives us. Later on in James chapter 1, let me get back there to it. I moved the marker. In verse 4, it says perseverance and faith. And he says in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God who gives generously. And I love the way God gives without finding fault. And it will be given to you. In verse 22, it says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I can tell you that I have neglected in my life on more than one occasion spending that time with the Lord. I, after two and a half years ago in my heart surgery, I have not. I'm like, Lord, I'm on bonus time. I want whatever you want. And I, I noticed that as I immerse in his word, he changes everything. My, my whole world changes. And I love the words he uses in verse, he, he goes on in verse 25. He says, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in whatever he does. If I'm, dragging, if I'm dragging the weight of frustration, if I'm dragging the weight of overwhelm, there's a really good chance I'm neglecting God's truth and not having him in the middle of what I'm doing. And not just knowing the truth. You're here today. Incredible first step. But I hope you're not like I had been too many times where I can sit and agree and go, man, that was good. And by the time I walk out the doors, it is fading. By the time I'm in my car, I've forgotten it. Instead, doing what it says. If I can give this baggage term, I had this corporate event in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and my day was chaotic, and I'd gotten everything done personally, everything done professionally, I'd gotten prepared, I had packed, I was ready. 
got on the road, I'm like, okay, and I'm playing things in my mind, I'm returning phone calls in the car, and I'm getting there, I get to the hotel, and I, <laughs> I go to the back of my car, I had packed the perfect bag, and left it at home, and I'm like, doesn't do me a whole lot of good there, and fortunately I can go buy something else, but I just thought, that's the perfect example of neglecting God's truth. I read it and go, this is really good, Lord. Thanks for this. But now do I take it with me? Am I I really getting the point of it? Am I inviting you to speak into my life during my day? I'll give you one example of where I'm really experiencing this. Not, I'm, I'm letting, I'm practicing and letting God in it. I thought after 24 years, man, I would know my wife like, wow, I know everything. There's nothing about her I don't know. I know less about my wife now than I did when I got married because she changed. I don't know why she changed. She just did. And it's like trying to nail jello to a wall. It just, it's always moving. And, and what, I, what used to be a joy, like when we first married, we, we didn't have a choice when we went out for our one time a week to go out to dinner. It was like, where do we have a coupon? That's where we're going. And it was a joy, and we would go, and it was wonderful. And I remembered how excited we were just to be out, and we talked about what we didn't have and what we might have one day, and it was just this natural flow. And that has slipped into now we have means, and and just getting a night out. I should be super thankful that I, I, I forgot. I forgot what it was like being a single guy trying to find a girl that might go out with me and have to go through the the process now I've got this beautiful wonderful woman all I got to do is hey would you like to and she says yes every time and I love that but then there's the frustration and the frustration becomes I because I'm not letting God in that area of my life I'm not taking his truth into that world because I can get frustrated now I know you've never had this conversation and today maybe but to be in a car and just, so where do you want to eat? I don't know, where do you want to eat? I don't care, what do you feel like? It doesn't matter to me, what do you want? I don't care, well you pick. I don't want to pick, you pick. I want to go where you want to go. It doesn't matter to me. How about pizza? I don't want that. I thought you said it didn't matter! And you can drive around for days. And it's, it's just frustrating. But here's the deal. When we take the truth, and, I, and I, so I did. I said, Lord, here's the area. Lord, help me in this area of life. I came across Ephesians 29. And it just says that love your wife as you love your own body. And nobody neglects their body. They don't neglect it. They cherish it and nourish it. And I started saying, God, show me how to cherish and nourish. And I started watching my wife. And here's what I discovered. And this was painful to discover. I wanted her to pick because I wanted her to have a great night. I didn't, and, and, and finally I get down to where, well, how about this? Well, that's fine. I don't, wanna, I don't want fine. I want great. I want blow your mind. This is everything I dreamed of in a meal. That's what I want. It turns out I was just being selfish because I wanted that instead of going, what does she really want? And she likes Mexican. And I don't love Mexican, but that's what she wants. Then die to myself and cherish her, nourish her. 
What does she really want? She wants me to make a decision. And that's what I thought. And I thought, well, I'll make the decision. But then there, but here's what she really wanted. And I love this because I had heard Ephesians 5, 22 preached several times. Wives, submit to your husbands. I had heard that. Hadn't heard the verse before it very often. And as I went to find that one and I saw that one, I'm like, ooh. It said, submit yourselves to one another. And then it talks about wives to your husbands. Husband loves your wives. And, and, but, but the key is submit to one another. See, her heart, the way God wired her, was she wants to do this together. And I realized I'm neglecting together. Okay. And I started just being a student of my wife. What is she like? What does she love? When we're with the kids, what is her favorite restaurant? I know now her favorite restaurant's Five Guys. Never would have picked that for her. But I watched her, and she loves that with the kids, and we share the fries because the small was this big, and it's, it's just, she loves, okay, I'm learning. And God, will you continue to teach me in this area? And I'm, I'm learning in that area to invite him into every area and that his truth literally is the result. This morning, we can trade. We can trade that frustration, overwhelm, disappointment, And we can trade it for what he promises in James. And that is mature, complete, the crown of life, freedom, and blessing. I want to walk in that. If I want to walk in that, I have to stop neglecting my relationship. And I have to stop neglecting the truth. And I have to start living that out. I want to share a simple ABC with you on how to, how to make this functional. And, and here's what I would like us to do. The band's going to come up. They've got a great song to finish us up. But take a moment. A, identify an area that you feel like is, is frustrating, overwhelmed, or disappointing, which is the neglect area. Just identify one. B, interact with God in that area. Make a simple prayer. Say, God, will you... Will you help me in this area? And in that same, the second part of B, this week, if you're like, I don't know where to start, read James chapter 1 every day. And I promise there's going to be a truth or a verse or a part or an idea that comes out of his truth. So I'm relating to him. I'm looking at his truth. Take that truth during the day and just let it wash over you. And then finally... And it's probably one of the most powerful. Share your experience. Not when it's done, but in the process. And even ask, you know, have you ever been frustrated? Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's, maybe it's a spouse. Have you ever been frustrated in this area? Well, here's a verse. That, what have you learned in that area? And talk about it. And what God does is he starts to make that truth reality. And he starts to change everything. And if, if you listen to the words of these songs, you'll even have a better idea of that. Thanks for letting me share this morning.